Welcome to Brazilian Politics, the podcast where three political analysts talk about all things Brazilian politics. This week, we will discuss the latest polls, the likely positioning of Brazil's political parties in the second round, and the strategies for Haddad and Bolsonaro in the final leg of the campaign. Welcome to Brazilian Politics. I'm Michael Lopez. I'm with my colleagues Lucas and Thiago Aragão. How are you guys doing today? Hi, Michael. Great to be here. Hello, Michael. All right. So we are only two weeks out from the first round of the Brazilian elections, and it is looking more and more like we will have a second round between Jair Bolsonaro, the PSL candidate, and Fernando Haddad, the candidate of the Workers' Party. Yesterday, uh, Ibope Polling Institute released a poll that confirmed this polarization between Bolsonaro and Haddad. But interestingly, the poll also presented some worrying information for the Bolsonaro campaign. Lucas? Michael, it was definitely a worrying poll for Bolsonaro. In, in a little less than a week, he saw his uh, advantage, or at least his technical tie with Haddad in the second round dissolve. He now loses to Haddad in the second round in the simulations. And he saw his rejection increase from 42 to 46 percent. Uh, he has a massive rejection, especially among female voters, uh, 54 percent of, uh, of rejection. So in comparison, Haddad has 30 percent of total rejection against 46 percent of total rejection from Bolsonaro. It's just a sign that he, uh, to avoid being uh, Marine Le Pen from Brazil, uh, who performed well in the first round but lost in the second, he will have to change his narrative and be a little bit more moderate in the second round, which, according to sources, he will. And, and Bolsonaro, he also faced the difficulty that while he was at hospital recovering from the stab that he suffered a few weeks ago, his vice presidential candidate has uh, has demonstrated a very aggressive speech uh, that went very well with, went very poorly, I mean, with the majority of, of women who, who had access and who heard of it. And the press made a huge fuss about it. And it was something that really damaged, at least in that particular week, the effort that the campaign was trying to do to recover the vote of the female vote. So this is something that right now he will have a major difficulty in the upcoming weeks to revert. He will have to recreate an entire narrative about that and also to take more control inside his campaign to avoid loose messages like the ones that were given by the vice presidential candidate uh, that could damage him as this one particularly did. And Chuck, th this is tough for him to do because he's still uh, bedridden. He's still... Um, in the hospital, uh, we have heard reports that his campaign expects that by next Sunday or, or next Monday, uh, he could possibly be released from the hospital and return to his home in Rio de Janeiro. But the fact of the matter is that he is uh, absent from the, from the narrative of this campaign. And that is especially worrisome for him because in Brazilian social media, the female voters are organizing attacks against Bolsonaro. And the fact of the matter is that he's absent. He can't respond to these attacks because he's still recovering from uh, the stabbing that he suffered in September. Bolsonaro has a, a strong social media following, almost a cult. His candidacy has gained uh, characteristics of a movement rather than just a candidacy. The thing is, 
uh, not campaigning, he becomes very limited in terms of creating new facts for his campaign. In the past week, he's had uh, a very bad uh, situation of not creating new facts for the campaign. I think that if he leaves the hospital on Friday and then next week he does some movements, uh, maybe with videos, with, with just campaign material, he can revert this awful week that he had this past week with his rejection increasing uh, and with Adagi getting closer to him. And the poll also showed us that the other candidates are having a very, very hard time to leave the, the bandwidth in which they are. Uh, any attempt of, of recovering ground from Alckmin, from Marina, and even from Ciro are not working well right now. This is why we are approaching, uh, although we can never affirm 100%, but we are approaching a scenario that the second round between Haddad and, and Bolsonaro uh, is going to be a reality. And the, the voters of these candidates staying behind, they're going to play a major role in the, in the second round. And this is something I think Bolsonaro's campaign will have to adapt his message to receive, to potentially receive this new batch of votes. I think a, an interesting way to look at this campaign is to, to think about the timing of it. Um, of course, the attack suffered by Bolsonaro uh, bolstered and created an emotional response that that in one way reduced the rejection, but uh, the that effects of this uh, attack are seem to be wearing out, and uh, Bolsonaro is having trouble controlling the narrative of his campaign, while the PT's uh, timing, the the timing of their strategy is working. Uh, very, very well. So the, the strategy of having Lula at the forefront and substituting for him for Haddad <coughs> and then transferring, <coughs> excuse me, transferring the prestige from Lula to Haddad has worked. And, and proof of this lies in the fact that Haddad gained 16 points from early September in the Ibope poll compared to Bolsonaro's only six point gain in the same period. It, it's, it's something that Adagi and the PT and Lula knows how to do really well. They have uh, this knack for campaigns, you know, and since 2002, they have understood that they have to shift uh, shapes throughout the campaign in order to gain the voter that is not uh, their, their ideological voter. I have absolutely no doubt that even before the, the second round starts, we'll start seeing Adagi make very clear signals to the center, more moderate voter, and this will become even clearer in the second round. The PT knows how to make a campaign. They know how to destroy candidates in the other side. They know they have a strong uh, movement top-down, grassroots, and if Bolsonaro doesn't understand this, he is in a, in a real danger of, of losing to Haddad in the second round. I think it's still a very open uh, race, but Bolsonaro needs to understand that preaching to the converted will get him to the first round comfortably, but not a victory and, in the second round. And nobody knows better than Marina how good the PT is at destroying candidacies. If, if we remember what they did to her campaign in 2014, uh, I think it's proof of, of how good they are at, at these types of attacks. And I think the attacks will continue. The attacks will continue on Bolsonaro um, from, from all of his opponents. And it's, uh, it's a worrying scenario for his campaign. 
And, and this is an old campaign, and it's an old strategy that the PT has always used. They, they initiate the pre-campaign phase with a more aggressive uh, message in order to put together their traditional voter and, and organize the unions around the party. As the campaign starts, they start to focus their narrative towards specific groups uh, within the country. And as they reach the second round, they change again, once again, their narrative to try to conquer the specific groups that are still uh, in doubt in relation to which candidate to choose. So they have been doing this in the past. They're going to do this right now. And if Bolsonaro wants to have a, a strong approach in the second round, he will have to adapt his message as Adad will adapt his own message uh, arriving in the second round as well. Guys, who do you think, uh, question to, to both Michael and Thiago, who do you think has the capacity to shift its message uh, and to bring a little bit of the rejection down. Does Bolsonaro have the capacity to speak to the minorities and to the women and reduce their rejection a little bit? Or can Haddad move to the center and reduce a little bit of that anti-PT sentiment that is around half of the population? Look, uh, I think as far as Haddad is concerned, he's already moving to the center and we've seen uh, the benefits that he's already reaping in the polls. Um, he's doing like his own version of uh, Lula Paz e Amor, which is a uh, uh, peace and love Lula that we saw in 2002, when we saw during the campaign a much more radical and, and left leftist candidate than we saw uh, closer to the end of the campaign when he launched uh, his letters to Brazilians. So I think this move by Haddad uh, is not only happening but it's also uh, somewhat natural because Haddad, he's not a labor union leader. He's not a typical PT uh, activist. He comes from more of an intellectual background. So this narrative that we will see Haddad adopt in the, in the second stage of the elections will be one where he will focus on respect for the democratic order, um, where he will uh, talk about uh, authoritarianism um, and other elements that he attributes to Bolsonaro. So positioning himself in the center while uh, attacking uh, Bolsonaro and trying to continue to increase Bolsonaro's rejection. And historically as well, we see that the PT has always adapted their message. This is why I believe that in the second round, it will be easier for the PT to adapt their message. The PT already had the support of the banks in Brazil. They already had the support of the newspapers of Brazil. They have the support of the unions. They already had the support of every demographic you can imagine. So every particular group that we can travel upon to see where the EPT could have support, they already had in the past. And this is what counts in favor. But what counts against them is their recent history, which is still very fresh in the mind of many, many Brazilians, of the very profound associations of the party with corruption in Brazil. And knowing that, Bolsonaro, uh, and, and we are aware of that based on information from his campaign, that he will adapt his message, he will become more moderate, he will avoid entering into controversial issues, and he will perhaps unconsciously try to do this a similar strategy as the PT has done in the past to conquer these groups that could give him victory in the second round. 
I agree, and and but paradoxically, the PT has burned some bridges that is difficult to bring back. You know, with the with the narrative of a coup of Lula being a political prisoner, with its intense uh, provoking of the judicial uh, system. I, I I think that if Bolsonaro is able to make the campaign about the PT and transform it into a referendum, he might be the favorite. However, if he doesn't, the the Haddad presidency could be a real thing. And and to hear more about what that could mean economically, uh, Brazilian Politics Podcast heard this week Luiz Fernando Figueiredo. He's a former director of the Central Bank under the Cardoso administration. And he's the founder and CEO of Mauá Invest an investment fund from Sao Paulo, and he gave us his thoughts on what he believes would be the economic situation under an Haddad and Bolsonaro presidency. Bolsonaro's mandate, we have some risks on there, but at least uh, what we know is that uh, his group, his economic group, is focused on the main issue we have in Brazil today, which is the fiscal deficit. Uh, they are working in ways to solve it, and mainly through uh, uh, its first uh, uh, issue, which is the, the social security reform. This is uh, uh, the only way that uh, we'll be able to stabilize the country, then the new government will be able to succeed in, in any stand. Haddad's mandate would be a very scary one. Uh, they don't uh, are approaching uh, the main issue we have in the economic side, which is the, the fiscal deficit. Uh, they don't have a group that is really thinking about this. Uh, they are trying to, to, to suppose they are, but I, I don't believe on that. At the end, I think they will do it, but after a while where they see that uh, without uh, a, a, an approach in the fiscal deficit, we won't uh, reach stability. That's my view. It is very interesting to see the way that Luis Fernando has, has evaluated the potential fiscal policies and the behavior of the two uh, candidates uh, in case each one of them wins. We see that for the PT, there is a concern in doing a reform, as we have been discussing over the past years. Um, eventually, they could end up doing it, but not in the way, perhaps not in the volume or sliced up. And this by itself is a concern for investors in the country. So this is something that the PT would have a struggle in order to convince their base to present a, a reform a pension reform, a fiscal reform, although their economists are fully aware of the necessity of this reform. When we look at Bolsonaro, it's the other way around. We see that there is the intention, their lead economist and potential minister of finance, Paulo Guedes, talks openly about the reform and, and the necessity of this reform. But the big question mark is Bolsonaro's ability to create a strong coalition that would be able to approve this reform. And this is something that we have to wait and see. Thank you, Chago. And we here at Brazilian Politics would like to thank uh, Luis Fernando for his valuable contributions. Uh, we could not close this podcast without discussing uh, another important topic, which is what we can expect from the other players in these elections in the second round. So aside from Bolsonaro and Haddad, 
how will the other candidates and their parties react in a runoff round scenario? Lucas, what are your thoughts? I think that the the, the support for the, the the second round from the candidates is something that uh, doesn't wait for the the, the, the candidates to choose their sides, meaning that the vote in Brazil is non-ideological. So the candidates, even if they choose to formally support candidate A or B, it doesn't mean that the, their supporters will do that as well. I think the candidate that has the likeliest scenario of formally supporting a candidate is Ciro with the PT. He's also the one that has the biggest control over his voter. The Alchemy and Marina voter will make their mind independently uh, and I honestly don't think that the, either Alckmin or Marina will formally support any uh, candidate in the second round. I think they will remain neutral uh, in the runoff. And one, uh, one technical difference that I'd like to highlight here for, for support in the first round and support in the second round is that support in the second round tends to be less important than in the first round because... Support in the first round determines how much access to TV ad time each candidate will have. So the size of the coalition can help guarantee a larger amount of time for candidates to build their electoral ads on radio and TV. Whereas in the second round, both candidates, uh, most likely in this case, Bolsonaro and Haddad, will have the same amount of TV ad time and radio ad time for the runoff round campaign. Michael, Lucas, this is also a very individualized campaign. I don't believe that if a candidate, if Alckmin, if Marina, if Ciro say that they're going to support a specific candidate, their voters are going to go with them in that particular candidate. I think that their decision will be very personal. And I think we are beyond this time of uh, the leader, the candidate, bringing together all his votes to collaborate to a candidate in the second round. Because the, the voters that are staying behind with their candidates, they look at the two candidates in the second round, if it is Haddad versus Bolsonaro, with dissatisfaction towards the two of them, in which they would do a choice by exclusion and not necessarily a choice by convergence of ideas with the candidates that they voted in the first round. This is why I believe that their positions of these candidates that stay behind won't necessarily influence the mindset of their voters. Thank you, Thiago. I think this is a good time to wrap up this week's podcast. I'd like to thank our listeners and invite you to tune in next week for another episode of Brazilian Politics. Thank you. Thank you.